Well, let us begin yet another episode of glorious champagne. What is it? Catacombs? I mean, are we, yeah, at some point we should probably come up with some actual, like, intro formula where we, like, say that. For the time being, you guys get it, all right? Like I feel like the intro is developing in a very natural fashion. Well, there is that, yeah. This, ah, oh, oh, it's a boy! It's all over me. I'm just having it on me. I'm not touching anything. It's no electronics. It's all me. It's all me. It's not on the couch. It's on your uh, dick, though. Well, I feel like the intro did develop quite naturally. Thank you. I have to do that every time now. <laughs> every episode, I have to spill champagne on my penis. Yeah. Let me just stand in front of the fan for a moment. So, Jack, what part of sacred scripture are we exploring today? <laughs> Not your penis, that's for sure. All right, while James is um, drying his crotch, we will just have a little brief, uh, little, uh, you know, backtrack. Man. That's what you get when you spend $6 on sparkling white. Hey, hey, hey. Five dollars, Jimmy. That's true. I talked them down. Did you know you could do that at BWS? I have no idea. I said, just as a joke, because it was so cheap. I said, ooh, six dollars for sparkling white. Any chance we could get a discount on that? And he said, I'll look. And then he said, we can get it down to five. <laughs> I've been paying full price for six dollars sparkling white this whole time. Ridiculous. Now, hold on. Now, what have we spoken about so far? Yeah, all right. So, so far we've done, like, the introduction stuff. So, what's the plan of God for man? It's eternal happiness with him. Um, man has a capacity for God. We can know him by the light of reason, etc. cetera. Um, God comes to meet man in Revelation. So, there are stages of Revelation. There's the Old and the New Testament. Um, and then there's private Revelation, which is, you know, like, where Jesus speaks to you. Just you. And apparently you have that happen to you all the time. I well, I was going to say that if you want the secret revelation of the faith, you have to join our paid uh, <laughs> system. This is a Gnostic <laughs> podcast and we have secret wisdom that only the elect. That's right. You join. We have sex with your wives. Mm. Yeah, Your wives? Yeah, that's right. Only yeah. men with multiple my wives <laughs> really wanted. Maybe <laughs> I won't have that white wine right now. <laughs> All right, now, here we go. So that's essentially what we've done, and now we're moving on to the transmission. Can that's I say right, this, right this assertion that like God is good, right? <sighs> okay. This claim that he's yeah, yeah. a good God. <laughs> Do you ever feel like maybe, maybe he's, he's not? not? <laughs> like, like maybe this is a trick, and that God actually hates you and wants you to suffer? I personally don't feel like that. No. I'm not saying. Do you intellectually? Uh, is that something you cognize? But have you ever found yourself in a despair spiral that the whole universe has been built to make you suffer? Yeah, but I think... I don't know. I never, like, obviously, like, you can be angry with God, right? Like, Job is angry with God, right? You can have that sense of, Without questioning his goodness. Right, because that that ultimately it always turns back to, well, actually, the problem's probably me, you know? like, And and then, as a Catholic, you go to confession and you're like, the problem was definitely oh, me. Yeah. I had a... We went to confession together I was yesterday. not looking forward to going to confession yesterday. We went together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were in the... We literally, we confessed at the same time holding hands <laughs> and said there, there's been some sex stuff that we've both been doing together. But there's definitely a no-no. But... We haven't got to that part yet. I, but it's in there. The, uh, no matter what Father James Martin tries to tell you, it is in there. The important thing is that when I went to confession, the whole time I was in the line for confession, I didn't want to go. I, like, I never want to go. Deep abiding dread, and it was only because we were at the anniversary mass of a departed friend that I wanted to receive communion. And then, fucking, just before I went in to confession, it's like oh, I get to talk about all the problems that I like. It's sure. not just to bitch and moan, yeah, yeah. but it's like I get to these these things that I've been carrying around now. I've for become a transparent to myself. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, but like, yeah. what a relief. Yeah. Also a relief to have a priest I don't know to tell them sure. to. Because sometimes it's a guy you do know, and then I know it's still the Jesus, but it's also to Father Michael. And Anyway, chapter two, part transmission of divine revelation. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the clergy and tradition. Here we go. Shall we begin? Yeah, let's do All it. All right. Why and in what way is divine revelation transmitted? 
God desires all men to be saved and to come to know, to come to the knowledge of the truth, that is, of Jesus Christ. For this reason, Christ must be proclaimed to all according to his command, go forth and teach all nations. And this is brought about by apostolic tradition. I think we should just, well, I think we should just do the second question. I was well. going to say yeah, this yeah. for a little, can I just yep. think about there? Because that's yep. just scripture. Yeah, 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 let's do it. Okay. What is apostolic tradition? Well, apostolic tradition is the transmission of the message of Christ brought about from the very beginnings of Christianity by means of preaching, bearing witness, institutions, worship, and inspired writings. The apostles transmitted all they received from Christ and learned from the Holy Spirit to their successors, the bishops, and through them to all the generations until the end of the world. And that I just th- feels like acts. Let's keep going. I think, yeah, the third question is all part of a piece. Yep. In what ways does apostolic tradition occur? It occurs in two ways. Through the living transmission of the word of God, also simply called tradition, and through sacred scripture, which is the same proclamation of salvation in written form. I see no reason that any single person could ever have a problem with those things. (laughs) We'll leave that up to our listeners to decide. All right. What is the relationship between tradition and sacred scripture? Tradition and sacred scripture are bound closely together and communicate with one another. Each of them makes present and fruitful in the church the mystery of Christ. They flow out of the same divine wellspring and together make up one sacred deposit of faith from which the church derives her certainty about revelation. So now I do want to sort of like... Okay, you want to slow down now? Stop and just sort of like address this in maybe simpler, less boring, I hope, terms. Um, So yeah, so we have receive something from Sorry, Christ. that's okay. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For $5? Okay, go on. So Christ has given us himself, of course, like Christ comes to reveal who God is. Yep. Um, but that takes its form in a belief, right? Like that, that there is, there is a content. We're not extant at the time. We Sorry? don't get to jab our fingers in the wound. Yeah, exactly. We have yeah. to take someone's word for it. Exactly. Where's that word? Yes. So that word is transmitted through history in a variety of different ways. The primary ones being tradition and sacred scripture. So scripture, obviously, because it's the the Old Testament, which recounts what God did for Israel. But yeah. then in the New Testament, it it's what God has done in the New Covenant, in mm. Christ and in his apostles. Um, and then that is transmitted down the ages through a variety of means, right? Now, Jackie, do you want to take this chance or slightly later on to take some cheap shots at Protestants? I think we should take every chance we get. Man, (laughs) so, like, what is the scripture, right? Like, this is, I think, something that is not going to do in a huge amount. Is this coming up? Yeah. Okay, like, who assembles it? Who says which books are in, which books are out? That's coming up, yeah. All right, we don't have to go into that. But someone says that. Yes. And it's the tradition, it's it's the bishops who are deciding what the book is. Right, uh, like we don't have a to set. A degree, yeah. Well, you're saying the Roman state gets to decide as well? No, no, no. What I'm saying time? is that there's like, um, so, you know, if you're a second century Christian, right? Yeah. Like you're hanging out with St. Irenaeus in Lyon, like Gaul or France in the second century. So it's 120 or something. Yeah. You can't read the Bible, right? Mm. Like there is no Bible. Like, there, like, there, like you know, it, it exists in parts, right? Like there are the the letters of Paul are floating around, the Gospels are floating around, but nobody's got it together and gone, here's the book, right? Well, could, I mean, could we, we could go earlier and just say, like, you're in 34 AD. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christ has just... Christ has yeah. just gone up. Yeah. Who are you... There is, no, the, the got, apostles haven't written anything down yet. Yeah. There is no scripture. Yeah. But you can be a Christian. You can hear the good news. Yeah, exactly. Where do you hear it from? Yeah. So, what as Catholics, we essentially believe... Everything we believe is what the apostles believed, right? Like that, that, that we could show St. Peter this book, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And he would say, I do not have a problem with that. And he would go, that's a weird way to say it, right? Yeah. Like I never would have thought of putting it that way, but yeah, basically that's it. Right? As though we were Chinese to do a point that we almost <laughs> yeah. got to on the first point. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, and that he would agree substantially with, with the things that this we are saying. a different country, but the principles yeah. here are yeah. Uh, all the same. Yeah. yeah, so scripture comes from tradition. Right, like scripture is, it is a, a a locus for tradition, right? Like it comes, like it also makes tradition, but it, it also comes from tradition, right? Like yes, that like and those two are inseparable. Like you can't separate the tradition, which means like the liturgy, the worship, the institutions, the acts of people who are who are Christian from the written word, right? Like these things exist together. There is no like the whole idea of like the Bible 
existing as an abstract thing from which all authority comes. It just doesn't it make sense. It had to sense. come to be a certain way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, someone had to sit down and write it. And yeah, that person had to be a part of the tradition. Yeah, but also like. Um, you know, one of the other things about Protestantism is like if you're not literate. Should we also just say so? There is this, there's this Protestant Martin Luther idea, yeah, of sola scriptura from Scripture alone, mm-hmm. which is patently saying we don't need the tradition. Yes, I don't want to be unkind and say that all Protestants don't have I know when, traditions. Well, I yeah, this, yeah. When I was a Protestant, yeah, at, and Church of England, we would deny that we were Protestants, but like. No church, evangelical Church of England, yeah. or a Baptist. The primacy of Scripture mm. and the you know fallen man-made institutions, mm. as opposed to the inspired Word sure. of God. Yeah. This is the dichotomy. Yeah. There, that people will quite happily agree to. I don't yeah, think yeah. that's a mischaracterization. That is how I would have characterized it at the time. Basically, would have said. Yes, and you Catholics, you've got a lot of weird dresses. You're covering stuff in gold. Why do I need you? I have God. I have the Bible. Yeah, there would be people out there who would say, "Well, you were just a bad Protestant, right? Like you just didn't understand yes, Protestants." They would. And there are more sophisticated versions of that argument, but I do think substantially that is the argument. Yeah, and I, I think don't it, think it's unkind to say no that that is an argument. Yeah, yeah, that no, will genuinely hold. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yep. I mean, well, and you know, like if I were a Protestant, that's not the one you'd have. Well, no, no. When you, you would, become a set of accountants, no, no, you'll you have would, a much more nuanced view. You would say something like, oh, well, Catholics believe all sorts of crazy things, but you claim that the church, that's not actually representative of your religion, right? Like, that I can I could find a lot of Catholics who would say contraception is fine or, you know, I don't believe in yeah, the yeah, blessed yeah. sacrament or whatever. Um, so, like, I think it's unfair of you to, to put that on us as well. But, like, the, the, the difference between that is that we get to say, well, actually, there are other... We have a book saying what we do and don't believe. There are other... There are the points at which we can point to to say, like, yes, this is this is the truth. Yes. Right? Like, and if, if you can be a bad Catholic and a good Catholic, but, like, it's harder to say that as a Protestant, I think. Well, because it's about you as the individual. Yeah. And your relationship with God. Yeah. So it's... One doesn't want to smear Protestants in general because it's, it's like... It is unfair because it's a million points of light. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Let a million flowers bloom. I think I was doing one about that spaceship exploding. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So both violent yeah. wreckages. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the point, like, it's impossible not to mischaracterize something where the foundation of it is go your own way, do your own thing, because you can't appropriate everybody's thing, except to say you're all going your own way and you're all doing your own thing, and that to hold to a tradition yeah. is important, and that's the differential. Yeah, I, and I, I don't want to belabor this too much because I don't. Yeah. It's not. This should not just but it be seems like, like it, fo- it follows pretty easily to me, and I did not resist when I found that that was the Catholic view. Yeah, that like the tradition is important. Sure. Yeah. Now the reasons you wouldn't, you would think the tradition might not be important would be things like there are stu- there is thing there are things in the tradition that aren't in the in Bible. The Bible. Yeah. That you go. That seems like that's been made up at some point sure. in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Veronica. Uh, at the foot of the cross. Not even that, With a right? cloth. Well, this is one for me. Sure, yeah, you yeah. Do, you know, you do the stage of the, of the cross, and one of them is a woman holding up a little bit of Jesus merchandise, yeah. a tea towel with his face on it. Sure. And you go, I don't actually remember that in Scripture of a woman who wiped his face with a cloth and it imprinted onto the cloth. And then you read your Bible and you go, it's not. It's not in there. Yeah, I, I think that... The, the, yeah, look, you're not, wrong. You're, not, you're not wrong that there are those sorts of things, but... Um, There's a lot of those sorts of things. Yeah, but I think, like, the like bigger ones would be... Like, the most pressing one, I think, would be contraception, which we'll get to later yes. when we do the Ten Commandments. Um, but, yeah, like, a lot of Protestants would not hold... Most, I would say, would yeah. not hold even doctrinally to the idea of contraception because they would say well, this is an extra... Scriptural, in the book. Christ didn't talk Extra about. scriptural, right. Yeah. But, again, it's like, well you're coming to scripture with a hermeneutic, right? Like with an already presupposed like point of epistemology where you're like, I can only know the truth about God from scripture. Yes. And that is not in scripture. Yeah. Is now a bad time to mention that this episode is brought to you by Durex? We're going to move. We have to take the sponsorships. It's for the gloves. It's for the gloves. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Only the glove side of the business. Not the love gloves. All right. At least 2% of their sales. I think we should move to... Continue. Yeah. To whom is the deposit of faith entrusted? The apostles entrusted the deposit of faith to the whole church. Thanks to its supernatural sense of faith, the people of God as a whole 
assisted by the Holy Spirit and guided by the magisterium of the church, never ceases to welcome, to penetrate more deeply, and to live more fully from the gift of divine revelation. I think that's one that might have been better in German. <laughs> you can't be having to penetrate more deeply. How did that one go through the net? Come, not every, well, not everyone's as porn-brained as you are, Jimmy. I'll put it no, that way. No, <laughs> i tell you. That could have been phrased better. Penetrate more deeply. You've got to penetrate a mystery, man. You do. The apostles entrusted the deposit of faith to the whole, to the whole church. church. So it's not to the select few, and the entirety of the faith should be knowable to everybody. This yes. is not Gnosticism. I think that's what that yeah. sentence is. But also, and, and this comes from, right? Like, and this would be like um, like a tratty objection, perhaps, right? Okay. And like, you know, okay. we, we both go to Latin Mass, right? So we're not like hostile to traditionalism at all. Um, but like a classic tratty objection is like, oh, well, actually, it's entrusted to the, to the Pope, specifically in the bishops in communion with him. And that's also true, right? Like, they have the responsibility of guarding the deposit of faith. But there's However, no secret knowledge that they have. No. Yeah. Exactly. And so if you look at the Arian crisis in the 4th century, um, you have a lot, like most bishops in the world are heretics. Yeah. Right? Like, but most people were not, mm. right? Like most of the faithful were not Arians. Um, and I think you can sort of, you know, like we could, we don't want to sort of like get into like the crisis of the church or anything like that, right? Because I don't want this to be like a negative podcast, right? Like I want this to be like a positive thing. <laughs> well, can I make it positive by attacking Freemasons for a moment? Which is, I think, a living example of something that is different. Okay. There are levels of knowledge and initiation into the Freemasons. Right. You know, you're, you're this far in, we let you know this new fact. Scientology. Scientology, sure. The further you go up the levels, the more you're allowed to know yeah, about yeah. what's going on. Yeah, sure. But what we're saying here is, I think, effectively, here's everything that we know. Like, sure, yeah. Maybe people are ruling on that at yeah. a higher level. Yeah, yeah. People are deciding what is and isn't in the tradition at yeah. the papal Bishopric yeah, yeah. level. Yeah. But in terms of what there is to know about the faith, there's nothing being kept from you. No. Except no. maybe, you know, in the 1970s, what your priest was doing before he arrived at that particular parish. As goes that, the faith, there aren't things that are being kept Yeah, from you. that's true. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, yeah, so it's entrusted to the whole church, and, and the, you know, like the, the bishops have a particular role in that. Um, but the deposit of faith is for all of us. Yeah, and so we should, you know, and that's why it's not wrong to sort of like tell off clergy necessarily, right? Like, I mean, I, uh, all the clergymen the out clergy there, are wrong. the clergy are going to be listening to this going, oh, I can't believe you just said that. But like, yeah, you, you know, hold, hold fast to your beliefs. Um, so, yeah, but the next question, I think, deals with this more accurately. We're not going to talk about the penetrating more deeply? We are not, yeah. Right. 16. To whom is given the task of authentically interpreting the deposit of faith? Right. So it's left to all of us to defend it and to hold it, but of interpreting it, the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the deposit of faith has been entrusted to the living teaching office of the church alone. The church alone. The living teaching office of the church alone. Okay. Uh, that is to the successor of Peter, the Bishop of Rome, and to the bishops in communion with him. The Pope and his bishops. Yes. To this magisterium, which in the service of the word of God enjoys the, set, the certain charism of truth, belongs also the task of defining dogmas, which are formulations of the truths contained in divine revelation. This authority of the magisterium also extends to those truths necessarily connected with revelation. There's a lot in there that was read very quickly. Yes, because there's a lot that is to be unpacked. Um, okay. So, essentially you've got three points of divine revelation, right? You have tradition, okay. scripture, okay. and magisterium. Whoa. That feels like that third one is a mediator, and a it kind of is, right? Okay. Like, but like, also you can't have it without it, right? Because it's on whose authority is scripture promulgated? It's right. both the tradition and the magisterium. But is that a point of authority? Like, yes, it okay. is. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's a yes. It's a point of our revelation, right? Like we we can, and it's not that they're giving anything new. Yes. They can only define more clearly what's in those first two: sacred scripture and tradition. They can't invent stuff. No, they can't invent as, stuff. As discussed in the. Private revelation chat. Yeah, in yeah. The previous podcast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they have to define dogmas, which are formulations of the truth contained in divine revelation. So, go. On. All right. Well, let's. I mean, there are things in the Bible like um, that could be read a number of ways. For example. Yes, there are. Yeah. Like when Christ says, "Don't get a divorce." Right. Yeah. He's. You know that. 
seems pretty straightforward okay. to me. Yeah, but yeah. is he really saying absolutely get a divorce as King Henry uh, the Eighth? If she's not really that hot. Mm. That seems like an interpretation that could be made if they don't get divorced long. Yeah, it's a dishonest saying, interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but there are many uh, less... Like when Christ says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's. Right. There's a number of Yeah, ways. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's also talking in a cagey... He talks in parables. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think cagey is impolitic for our Lord? I, I would say cagey is impolitic, yeah. <laughs> he's got people who are waiting to kill him and he's he's biding his time. He's playing the game, man. He's playing... He, yeah, yeah. He, yes. He's speaking mysteriously. Could we say that? Well, I mean, he's but he's also not, right? Like, there are times when he's extremely clear, right? Like, John 6 is... Like, if we're going to talk about Protestants, like, this is an extremely difficult reading to have any other reading of this than the my... one that's given, right? Where it's like, oh, this is my body, this yeah. is my blood... If you're going to have eternal life, you need to eat it and you need to drink it. And, and then there are people nearby. And the go, Jews go, I don't know about that. that he's speaking the, uh, he goes, figuratively. Nah. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not. Like, and, and everybody leaves. And he's like, oh, uh, well, like that sucks. And he turns to the apostles. And I he's think like, it would be, if we, it would be cool if while you're giving that recount, the actual scripture is coming <laughs> up on the screen that relates to you. Just so that, you know. People know that we're riffing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like. To, Remember that bit and, in John where he was like, Jesus said, man, man, what's going on? No, look, I mean, so there are, there are obviously, like, there are ambiguities. Like, there's things that Christ does not address, right? Like, for example, um, yeah, like, the, an example... Do you want of, to go back to contraception? No, I want to go to dogmas okay. now, right? Like, a, a dogma that has been defined recently would be, like, the assumption of Mary and body and soul in the heaven. Yes. Um, and so, you know, the, the sort of... Which is, just to slow it down, because yeah. when I heard that originally, mm. assumption, mm -hmm. I just thought that was about her assuming something. Right. Makes her ass out of you. That's basically it. Yep. But we are saying yeah. so that Mary falls asleep, enters into a dormition. Mm. Maybe she's dead, maybe she's not. Mm. By saying dormition, we sort of leave that open. Mm. And then her body disappears into heaven. Body and soul. Body she, and soul yeah. is in heaven. Yes. And there's no trace of her remaining on earth. That's right. Which is definitely not in the Bible. It's definitely not in the Bible. It is a dogma of the faith. So it's something that the church, through its magisterium... It seems to have always believed. So, yeah. So And there, we, we'll get to, like, you know, like, what are the conditions on which the church can do these sorts of things, right? Yeah. Like, and there are conditions. This but they didn't just make very well thought out recently. No, exactly. There's a long, long tradition. And it's like, so people would go, oh, uh, hang on a tick. Uh, like, where is this in the Bible? Or, like, um, is this a formulation of truth contained in divine revelation? Well, this authority of the magisterium also extends to those truths necessarily connected to revelation right so it's like okay. okay well like there are things that are necessarily connected like like the person of mary and her significance in salvation history is necessarily connected to divine revelation so it's like well we can authoritatively She's speak in, on these things right hold on slow that down hmm. so that mary is necessary to divine revelation yeah but th that also that things outside of the bible about mary are necessary to divine revelation well, anything pertaining to Mary as a figure, I would think, ah, yeah. I mean, because there's, there's, there's not... Mary gets more lines in the Bible than a lot of people... Believe. Realise, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a, there's like, there is a, there's a lot of stuff where context, I think, is helpful. You can read it a number of ways. Mm. Things about, like, the brothers of... Christ and what that means and whose children they are. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, if you if you had it in a vacuum. Yeah, 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 sure. You know, like yeah, if you have Sola Scriptura. Yeah, if you did confusing. have Sola Scriptura yeah. and you actively went, I'm not paying attention to anything anyone has said yeah. beforehand. I'm yeah. going to read it on the face of the Scripture yeah. with my own interpretation right. and things that I'm bringing to the table. Right. You wouldn't necessarily think that Mary remained a virgin no. after right. the birth of Christ. Exactly. But so, and again, that's where the church is making a claim here saying, well, this is not a book that can be read like this, right? It's not like a book that you can read cover to cover without any context and just like know what's happening, right? Like it's actually, it's a library of books and yes. we're going to get to this, um, that have context and there is, there is a legitimate way to interpret them, legitimate way to understand them. And we are best equipped by virtue of who we are, which is like the inheritors of the apostolic tradition to give that authoritative interpretation. 
Yes, and there are there are. I mean, one could. I think the best argument for that is also that it's in the scripture. Yeah, like the scripture does not point to sola scriptura. The scripture, and I'm going to get again. If we could have the actual quotes up while I'm just riffing here, but it's like, yeah, if everything that Christ said was written down, yeah, there's not enough books in the world. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To cover it all, saying like, I can't do it all here. Yeah, there's more than what I'm giving you right now. I'm yeah. giving you my account. I'm yeah, giving you the good news according to sure. But that it's not limited to what's in there. Yeah, and then also when Christ is with the apostles and he makes the church, and he says, I'm giving you this power. I'm giving you this power. Mm. This is your job. Hmm. I'm here with you. And yeah. many things that he said to them. It seems like if you were to take Sola Scriptura and only have the book, you would then go, what the book is telling me on the authority of the book mm. is to look outside of the book to the church. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So that like, I think even if your principle was Sola Scriptura, mm. you would be led to not having it anymore. You would hope so. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, that's where you ended up. But uh, yeah, I mean, because Christ does not give like... Um, this is what you should do with nuclear weapons, right? Like, yeah, you know, tr trust me, guys, right? Like, you're going to have to remember this. It's not going to happen for a little while, but this is where you got to use them. This is when you're going to not use them, all sort of stuff. Right? This like, is how football must be played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to leave that to, well, you know, the church would not rule on that, but it would rule on, like, the morality of nuclear weapons, of nuclear weapons yeah. right? Like, this is these are immoral things and we shouldn't have them. Um, so, but, like, Christ cannot... Like, I mean, I'm sure he did anticipate this, but, like, it would be wild for him to just be like, by the way, guys, in 2,000 years, you'll overturn Roe v. Wade eventually. Yeah. But before that, like... <laughs> what, I, what I like, though, about the thing about, like, and there were many other things Christ yeah. said, is that maybe not, like maybe they only wrote down things that were comprehensible to them. Yeah, sure. Like, we know that through his ministry, there are many things he said to his disciples that were totally incomprehensible to the <laughs> disciples. Right? Are no, you so suggesting maybe he did give some teaching on nuclear weapons? Like, who knows? Like he, could, <laughs> he could have been like, oh, boy, <laughs> there are these bombs. Let me tell you about bombs. Did okay. those feet in and, ancient times? And did those feet <laughs> in ancient times? But then, like, maybe, you know, maybe, the, you know, St. James is there and he's going, I, ah, I I'm not it. picking up any of this. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when Christ, you know, they say, he goes, you could tear this temple down it will be re rebuilt in three days. And then they go, later on, we realised he was talking about himself and his own body. Yeah. But that at the time, when he's saying that, the disciples are there going, ah, it's weird, weird thing to say. I'm sure they did think that. Yeah, well, there are many examples of... Well, they despair of him when he is killed. So yeah, yeah. they clearly don't believe when he is saying it. Well, they don't understand. They don't understand. Yeah, yeah. But why should we think then that of all the things he spoke to them about for 40 days, they didn't have risen bodies. They had seen it and maybe they took it. Right, but it's, it's also more than just like... Um, it's also more than just... Well, these the like most these people have a degree in being taught by Jesus, right? Like, no, actually, what we believe is that they have a gift mm. of the Holy Spirit, which preserves them from making mistakes on interpreting these things, right? Like, it's it's both those things, right? Like, they yes. they are yeah, both yeah. the best equipped mm. because of who they are, and they hand on that thing. But even if that would somehow be broken, and like people would get very dumb and don't yeah. educate themselves. God will preserve the church from speaking error. From speaking error. But I, yeah. I think some of that must find its its way in context and understanding yeah. and things that aren't then put into well, the Gospels. Grace builds on nature, yeah. But in terms of, like, the fish, mm. right, that immediately the early church goes, we're, do, we're running with the fish thing. Right? Yeah, sure. We're drawing the yeah. fish everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on they're like, it's the cross. Yeah. Or, you know, like... I don't know if that's that important. Now, I believe in the images. I love images and symbolism and incense and like ritual and Yeah, but these are all these are all not these are all externals, right? And and externals yeah, are important. But like we need externals. From, from the way in which they knew and understood. Sure. I, a, look, that's part of the tradition, is the symbols and the images and the Right. So that's a attitude. That's an important clarification. There is capital T tradition. Yeah. And when we're talking about capital T tradition, we're talking about the tradition that the apostles have handed on to us, which is the authentic interpretation of scripture and and tradition, right? Yes. Like, um, there's small t traditions, which are things like the language that mass is set in, incense, the yes. symbols that we use to depict, you know, yes. all that sort. That's and these are the, and small the rosary, are things right? that we might be attached to. We're attached but to, but they're not. They're not necessary. necessary. Yeah, we can lose it, right? If we lost, if the rosary stopped getting prayed it would be today, lost, but we'd be impoverished. But it's not. It's not the end of the faith. Yes. Right? But if people stopped understanding... The sacraments... Yes. 
we're stuffed, you know, okay. but that won't happen. So, and we'll get to that. All right. All right. So, let's move on because that was a, was a lot. Where are we up to? Uh, 17. 17. What is the relationship between scripture, tradition, and the magisterium? All right. Scripture, tradition, and magisterium are so closely united with each other that one of them cannot stand without the others. Working together, each in its own way, under the action of the one Holy Spirit, they all contribute effectively to the salvation of souls. Which is a way of just saying what I'm having fun with the Trinity there. They are having fun. (laughs) They simply are. You see things things in a very particular way. Yeah, well, it's written by committee, but Ratzinger oversaw the committee. There's three of them. They stand together. We can't really have one without the other. How about that, everybody? Wonder what that'll call forward to (laughs) later on in the book. Hmm? Yeah, that's called uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Second scripture. Next How long part. have we been going for? Uh, 30. Yeah, well, I think we can, right, do, we can on, do scripture. I think on, we should do scripture. All, yeah. right. All right. Why does sacred scripture teach the truth? Yeah, weirdly worded, I think, but what it's saying is like... Not a question anyone would ever ask wh- in that like, way. What, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why particular is it that, that we believe in scripture, right? Like why this book? Right, why not one of the other books? Why not yeah, the, the Quran or something? Okay. Yeah. All right, so because God himself is the author... Bahavad Gita, to make it a little less politically charged. Sure, yeah. Should stop beating up on Muslims and Protestants. Yeah, um, take that, Hindus. <laughs> because God himself is the author of sacred scripture. For this reason, it is, to be, it is said to be inspired and to teach without error those truths which are necessary for our salvation. The Holy Spirit inspired the human authors who wrote what he wanted to teach us. The Christian faith, however, is not a religion of the book, but of the word of God. Not a written and mute word, but incarnate and living, says St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So, Scripture, the author of Scripture is God, all of sacred Scripture, right? Like, he, and we'll get to this, like, uses human writings. Maccabees 4? You're going to make this so hard for me. I'm having a great time. (laughs) Sparkling white was an excellent idea. <laughs> what do we mean by author? What is God not the author of? <laughs> this is like when David Spears is trying to get a straight answer about the indigenous voice to Parliament. I think we should what stick is it away from Parliament the- that wouldn't touch <laughs> Aboriginal people. What wouldn't the voice have to call on? That's very broad. All right. So yeah, what does it mean to be an author? Who, who's the author? What's an author? What do they do? It's a good question. Yeah. I don't have an easy answer. Right. So, James, for example, you're a copywriter yes. in, in your spare time. Yes, right? I am. Like, you write copy, you write advertising for people, right? So, they give you a brief. Looking for more work now, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. They give you a brief and you write a paragraph or a page or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, there is a way in which you are the author of that content, right? Like, There is a way in which I am because I am. Yeah, right, because you wrote it, right? So, like, for example, St. Paul wrote the letters of St. Paul. Yes. Um, but there is somebody behind you giving you the notes who's saying... I'm writing what they want me to write. Right, exactly. So, And not one word of what I am writing... Is what they want you to write. Is, is what I <laughs> would want to write separate from them telling me to write. Right. I so, would never get up and go like, it's time for me to write about the importance of getting the engine on your Peugeot checked. <laughs> it's just not something that I would want to write on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. And there's nothing that I would write that they wouldn't want in there that would ever get published. And God is not like... Um, Don't get the purchase. Possessing St. Paul and he's like, oh, no, I can't okay, stop no, writing. No, no, this know. is an important point. Yeah, yeah. So much of this is like declarations. Like, this is how it... Like, it's it's written like, this is the truth. This yeah, is how yeah, it is. Yeah. But it's worth saying that the reason that's being articulated is because that's a controversial one and that there are fundamentalists out there who do think that St. Paul was like filled with the electricity of the Holy Spirit. He absolutely was and filled his, with the Holy Spirit. Right, but that that his that he doesn't have an authorship and that it is the literal word of God. Right. Yeah, so there, there in are... In a way that is different from... Yeah. He was, it's the inspired word of God. So there are a few things that are like... I, one of the difficult things about the start of the catechism is we're dealing with concepts that are fleshed out later, right? Yeah. And so one of those concepts is like the role of free will and the way that our will cooperates with divine providence. Okay. Um, and, and particularly in the instance of the authorship of sacred scripture, like we believe this is sort of like once in a lifetime event, right? Like this is the once in a history event, right? Like there is a way in which God is cooperating or those people are cooperating with God um, that is quite unique 
and that God is giving them, like is inspiring them, right? Like mm. they are inspired writers to say what he wants them to say, right? But they're not doing that because he's possessing them. They're yes. doing that because they are so in love with God and they're in this particular time in history where it's so necessary for these things to be communicated that God is sort of giving them more, right? Like mm. he's giving them more than he would give you or I. But so we know that there's also books that these, like that, uh, that are written by... St. Peter. Or Weber, yeah, and yeah, then it's also yeah. worth saying the fact that we think that they're written by the apostles yeah. is also something that, like, from a historical point of view, mm. some people would, a lot of people would contest. Yeah. Even down to, like, people going, no, no, I think it's, it's worth, I know that no, comes no, up later. No, no, no. It's no. worth fleshing it out because, I mean, these are things that I've struggled with and continue to struggle with sometimes, that people will say, John, John take John. We're talking about John a lot because it's my favourite confirmation saint. Love St. John. But the, the Acts, sorry, that the, the, the Gospel according to John yeah. and the Revelation, which we attribute to John, yeah. that is tradition that we would say that that's the same John. And the letters from John. It's the it same is author, the same John. The yeah, yeah, it's the same John. Yeah. But that we are articulating that as well because some people would say we've looked at the style in which this one's written and the style in which that one's written and I see a stylistic shift. Could that be a different person? Yeah, so... So the authorship of the Gospels, we take from tradition. I mean, we do, but also like... and But the, what, what I find problematic about yeah. what you've just said... Okay. To use a very modern PC no, word, um, is like... Probo. Yeah. <laughs> Probo. I used to say that when I was working in like... Yeah, a junkie or whatever, yeah. Yeah, when I was, well, uh, yeah, rip it up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Always say I was, she started just... Abbreviating it, I said so many problematic things. You go, Prabha, Jimmy, very Prabha. Always say problematic stuff. Yeah. Uh, I suspect it wasn't about the authorship of sacred scripture. Uh, so, the, in the 19th century, basically, what happened was that the, the German Protestant intellectuals started reading the Bible in a different way than anyone had ever read it before. They started doing what's called his, historical critical analysis on the Bible, right? Yeah. Which, I mean, you've done an arts degree, and I've done an arts degree, and it's sort of like. This is how you read texts in the modern world, right? Yeah. Like you sort of sit back, you say, I'm an observer of the text. I have no relationship to the text. I'm going to critique it from all these different angles. I'm going to say, what, what are the gaps that I can find in it? What, you know, like, and just take this like radical skeptical mentality to yes. it. And just in order to pry it apart, right? And that's how you get meaning out of it. It's like completely deconstructing it. This is not the attitude the church has towards, well, anything really, but certainly not sacred scripture. Um, because it's like, well, no, like, you know, we, we, we trust that things are be able to be handed on to us effectively through time, right? Yes. Like, which is like, you know, like, oh, well, nobody really believes that, like, the Iliad isn't a complete poem, right? People sort of go, it oh. obviously is a complete poem. Right. So people go, oh, maybe Homer is a series of authors who've redacted him over time or whatever. But, like, essentially there is an Iliad to yeah. be discovered. There's an energy in there. Yeah. It's about the rage of Achilles, Right. And there's nothing about that that's not about the rage of Achilles, and it ends when the rage ends. So, yeah, but and so people sort of doubt the, the authorship of Homer, yeah. but they don't go, there isn't an author, right? They say, oh, we just ascribed the name Homer because he was the poet that did it the best or something, right? But like, uh, 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 let me finish. Let All me right. finish my point. We don't want to talk about death of the author? Go on. Well, no, it is kind of death of the author stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, now we're getting to sort of inside okay. of baseball. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like I, I think that the, the difference between the way that the modern world looks at this stuff yeah. versus the sort of traditional understanding of these things um, is like quite different because it's like, well, the church is saying, no, actually we have confidence in the ability for things to be transmitted through history. Mm. And the other thing is like, this was like an extremely like, like sexy and like controversial and exciting way of doing things. And people went ham on it, right? People were like, yeah. we don't even know if St. Paul wrote any of this. We don't know if the apostles wrote this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are all, it's the, the Markine community and the, and the Joel yeah, yeah. and I community sort of stuff. John and I. But like, the thing is, like now people are coming to, is like the more research they do, the yeah. more they're like coming back to these traditional understandings, right? Where they sort of go, actually maybe Hebrews was written by Paul, even if it is stylistically different. Yeah. Right, but it seems like it's coming from the same place, at the same time. Seems to be from the same pen, and you got to bring up the Carthage thing now, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm going in a more fun direction. Right. I thought, which was that uh, that's the modernist critique. Yes, right? the joy of the 
the heat is off with that one with the postmodernist critique because it's all about enriching oral traditions in indigenous societies, <laughs> right? Places without writing and going, it is the same stories being handed down generation, generation with tradition, just orally. It doesn't matter that they didn't write it down. Why would it change? I Why believe them. I, no, I 100% I, I, believe I, I them. I think they're yeah, getting that one right. Yeah, but yeah. it's like that whole thing of like, it's not literate, it's not yeah, right. It's yeah. like, blah, 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 we can't break it down. Just yeah. like, no trust in tradition. Tradition's yeah. good. Yeah. That's Totally the vibe of today is like, hey, yeah. traditions are great. Traditions yeah. are authentic. But it's not. It's a, li- it's a living tradition. For six, if they can have a living tradition for 62,000 years yeah. or whatever number we're saying in Australia yeah. for the First Nations people here at the moment, yeah. maybe we could have done it for 2,000 years. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, sure. You yeah. know, or 150 years until we wrote it down. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And whatever, th- 50 years until we wrote it yeah, down. Yeah, but I think that, so that's the, that's the sort of like, uh, critical difference and it's and i think part of it is like so we have fundamentally as as modern people a sort of like uh a fundamental skepticism about everything right like that's our yeah. that's our go-to mode in which we Nature, interpret the world it's freud it's marx it's descartes right yeah. like like oh like i have to like step back outside of myself and be like the the like this critical thing and be like oh i don't even know if i'm real i don't know if anything i know is real yeah um and this is like quite alien to to christianity right because christianity just says this is who you are. Yeah. Right? Like, you're, you're it. This is, it's not, it's actually, it's all there. It says, do all these things that will cause you extreme suffering. Yeah. And in suffering, man, it would be nice to be able to doubt that you were real. But there's <laughs> yeah. nothing that will make you feel but more real than suffering. You're not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pleased with that. Now, hold on. Is that the end of this one? No. No, right. we just did the first question on Sacred Scripture and we departed a lot from it. But I think it was important. Let's power on. I had a good time. Can't believe I got to the Aboriginal stuff. So I'm just, I lo- man, I love it when the postman, like death of the author, right? They got a little inside baseball where it's like, no, who is the author? Is it the community? Is it these people? What's their angle? This is the modernist take. Yeah. And the postman like, death of the author. Doesn't matter. Read yeah. it without that at all. Yeah. And then it's so much easier after that to go like, okay. Well, and, and part of like the, the, bib- the problem with biblical criticism mm-hmm. is that it is, it's located in a time and place, right? Like, and it hasn't actually advanced from that time and place. So the reason yeah. I bring up the arts degree thing is because when I was doing scripture studies at like a, like an, like a university, a Catholic university, um, like... In what context? As a seminarian. Okay, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an ex-seminarian, everybody. Thank Jack's you. very ashamed to, Thank uh, you for bringing that up, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I, well, I'll deal with that later. Um, a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. Go There's on, nothing go on. more X. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, in this context, it's like the like having done the arts degree and like having read like you know sort of Foucauldian post-structuralist stuff. Yeah, and then getting to like essentially like 1970s, as advanced as it gets, sort of critical methods, and you're like, this is quite dated, right? These people yeah. actually don't know how to read texts in an academic situation, and that's and so yeah, I mean, and, but it's also in the zeitgeist, like people sort of just they. They consume the stuff by osmosis. They sort of go, oh, well, like the Bible, they have all this doubt about it. And it's like, but if anybody does any serious study into it, it's like quite evident that like, oh, this stuff is actually extremely ancient. They, oh, everything in the New Testament absolutely comes from the first century. There's yeah. no doubt about that at all, right? Like in, in academia, it's just like, yeah, absolutely. This stuff comes from the first century. The people who were like critical of it from that point say like, oh, well, it was a Pauline interpretation of Christ, right? That's the criticism. Right. Is that St. Paul puts his, like, sexual hang-ups on Christ. There's a weird Pauline bias that we need to get past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we need to do is get back past Paul to, yeah. like, the pure Christianity, right? But it's because St. Paul ladens us with all these sort of, like, ridiculous stuff, this ridiculous Jewish thing that he had going. And it's like, well, we need to get back to Christ who was just, like, love and kindness and fun. And it's like... And whipping people. And that's insane. Like, yeah. that's just crazy. Isn't like, it nice to watch passion? <laughs> just real. There's nothing There's nothing you're more passionate about than standing up for Paulie. And it's because he looks like him. <laughs> can we bring up... If we can bring up a, any depiction of Paul and compare that to Jack. Big, big, bulging forehead. No, I think you've made a good point. We do it. We should get it on with it. This is the first time that I get to go. But if we might return... If we might return... How is sacred scripture to be read? So, sacred scripture, as opposed to the modernist, must be read and interpreted with the help of the Holy Spirit and under the guidance of the magisterium of the church. Yeah. According to three criteria. Okay. So, these are ancient criteria. This is for, like from St. Augustine, basically. So, one, it must be read with attention to the content and unity 
of the whole scripture. Don't take shit out of context. I'm going to do all these points in great detail, but I want to get through them. Okay. It, it must be read within the living tradition of the church. Yeah. Three, it must be read with attention to the analogy of faith. That is the inner harmony which exists among the truths of the faith themselves. All right. Break it down. Okay. So you can't read, um, I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. Like if you were to read the Gospels and like look at Christ suffering on the cross, um, you could just go, well, he died on the cross, right? If you read that in context of Isaiah and the suffering servant, mm. then you start going, oh, hang on a second, this thing's happening here, right? If, and if you read it with like the Moses thing where it's like, oh, well, he'll, like, a prophet will come who will see God face to face. Yes. Then it's like, oh, hang on a second, there's another layer to this, right? So well, you like can... Within that on the cross? Like yeah, When yeah. he cries out, and this yep. is the one that always, yeah, yeah. always gets brought up. Every movie, every time about doubt. It's like, my well, when, God, my when Christ God. was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt forsaken at the time. Yeah. Even Christ felt that God was forsaken. Yeah. It's like, to an extent, true. Didn't want the cup, wanted it to be taken away from him. Gross mischaracterization that he's not just making that up on the fly. Yeah. He's quoting a psalm. A psalm. That has an ending. Yes. And the ending is, like, I will trust in God. Yeah. 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 So, like, you can never read, and so, and that's obvious when you're reading the New Testament. What's less obvious is when you're reading the Old Testament, and that's what people really struggle with. Is like these are sort of like you're always supposed to be able to see the fulfillment of these things in Christ. Yes, right. So but it's like, how am I seeing the fulfillment of smashing an infant's head on a rock? Right. Well, yeah. I'm not gonna deal with that one because that one's too hard. <laughs> but there are little sins, there are little vices that we have to smash. Please go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, it's fun to talk about infanticide in a fun way with some sparkling white wine with a friend. Uh, so thank you, Corey. What? What wine? Um, shout Corey out to Corey. White yeah, yeah. Should come on this show. He should come way. on this show. He'd be great. Anyway, so uh, bring your little dog. I see him on Instagram. Um, no, like it's the like you know the Exodus, right? Like you know you can you can read the Exodus from Egypt, like the Israelites being freed from Pharaoh and going through the Red Sea, and the Red Sea being parted, right? You yeah. can read that straight up as like. And a, sea, a narrative about the Israelites leaving Egypt, mm -hmm. right? Like an escaping Pharaoh and escaping slavery. Mm -hmm. But when you read it in the context of the New Testament, and then hang on a tick, this is like the, the exodus from Egypt is like our exodus from sin, right? And we come through the waters of baptism by Christ to salvation and to freedom to worship God. Then it's like... Whoa, hang on a tick. This is like everything is foreshadowing, right? Like everything is, Which is pointing not to say to that everything is not also happening. No, exactly. Not at all. Because this is salvation. There's a history. way to read yeah. it like, oh, well, that's just a metaphor. Yeah. So don't worry about the smashing of a child's head on a rock. You know? You have a fetish for the child head on a rock. Man, smashing children's heads on rocks is a quite a confronting part of the Old Testament. I mean, it's right there. And it comes up, I think, more than once. It's in a psalm. You know, a I don't psalm think it's just in a psalm. I think it is in it. Well, it's absolutely in a it psalm. It is in the psalm. Yeah, yeah. Could be wrong. Always happy to admit that I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot of the time. Am I in this one too? All right, I'll mostly do this one. All right, continue. I'm, but we're saying that's number one. So it must be read in with the content read and the unity of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and so you have to read every part of the Bible with, a, with an eye on the whole thing, right? With an eye on what Christ has done, right? Yes. Like, so both Old and New Testaments, right? Like you can't ever this separate like them. This common sense. Just look at it together. Exactly. Well, again, this is an arts degree thing, right? Yeah. But again, like this is actually quite new for a lot of people, right? Because they sort of go, oh, I never thought about reading Exodus through the lens of Christ or vice versa, right? Like, yes. And, but yeah, but you should. But it's, you're, you're being asked to interpret it. Like it's a, people use the word like hyperlink, like it, that it's a hyperlink text and it's referring backwards. And it's, re like, it's a hyperlink. I like that. It's a Jordan yeah. Peterson thing that I've totally, yeah. but it's like, it's such a web of like, this is calling back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I think, to take it back to something we spoke about at the start, but I don't know if it'll make it in, except on the Patreon. secret episode, episode you have to pay for. <laughs> is that like, <laughs> this is why if you're reading in isolation, if we were to do, let's come to know God, yeah. we're just reading We're just from Mark. Matthew, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like so much context that you have to bring. Yeah. Um, and this is why like, yeah, if you're a seminarian, seven years or whatever yeah. of, of plugging away before you're allowed to tell people what you think about it. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. That it's it's complicated and there's new. It's complicated, yeah. 
Yeah. Basically, that's all it's saying. It's like, it's a big, hard thing. It's a big, hard thing. And you're not getting all the context. No, yeah. So, and that's the second point, is that it must be read within the living tradition of the church. Yeah. Right? So it's like, oh, actually, you can't trust your own reading of it, right? Like, you you have to have the eye on the whole, but also you have to have your eye on the 2,000 years that come before you. Which is not to say you shouldn't be enthusiastic. No. It's not to say that you shouldn't, like, have your own mind and think about it. But there's a sense of humility where it's like, the thing that I've picked up on and the insight that I've just had, yeah. maybe I should investigate if there are reasons that that's not true. Right. Or also, like, I don't get it, right? Like, yeah. this just seems dumb and not... And it's like, oh, well, yeah, okay, there are lots of church fathers who talk about these things. Yes. But I'm just not going to read them. Yeah. So, okay. Like, I mean, to make it... To, make, to have a secular example, it's like when people are reading the Constitution and they act as though, you know, there aren't... There's not a huge amount of... right. There, it's as though the Federalist, Federalist Papers do not exist. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's like, oh, what does this line in the Constitution mean? We know. Yeah. Like, the people who wrote and agreed to and voted on wrote the line other in the Constitution stuff. Yeah, yeah. wrote essays about why it was in there. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, sure. There's yeah. context out there if you want it. Yeah, absolutely. So to say you can't disagree with the context? No. Or that some context... Uh, it's in contradiction with other bits of context. Well, even if you're, like, at work, right, yeah. and you've got a code of conduct... Right, and yes. it's like you have to do these things, yeah. right? Like, and you're expected to maintain these things. But then you see the boss not doing those things. Mm. Then you're like, well, I'm not going to do those things, right? Like, because like... You're not living up to our values of respect, commitment, openness, and inclusivity. Well, you like, you know, because this is... It's, it's an obvious, yeah, it seems so obvious. But again, people don't bring a lot of the stuff often yeah. to... Christianity, right? They sort of go, oh, it's a different type of thing. But it's not, actually. It's the same type of thing as everything else. You should apply the same standards. Like, yeah, okay, hang on a tick. You're not living up to the code of conduct? I'm not going to believe you, right? Yeah. Like, and, and people do the same things with Christians. They sort of go, oh, well, you're a terrible sinner. Yeah. And it's like, well, you are a terrible sinner, right? But it's, you're, you're not making a claim for yourself. You're saying, no, 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 the thing is outside of me, right? And also, yes. you need to pay attention to the context in which this was written, to the to the things written around it, to the way that it's been read in the past, the way it's but been applied in the But this is like the, the new past. atheism trick all the time, yeah. right? Where it's like, you take a bit out of context, you just cram, out of the way yeah. that it's well, you open, Yeah, you cram it open, you yeah. pick it out, you and make you it go, put look, in its worst, this worst looks dumb. Yeah, you go, yeah. you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. And I think what this bit is, to, to, be, to be reductionist about the importance of not reducing, it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, and treat it like it's complicated. So number three is, it must be read with attention to the analogy of faith. That is the inner harmony which exists among the truths of the faith themselves. I need you to say that again and slowly. It must be read with attention to the analogy of faith. What's the analogy of faith? I'll get to that. Okay. Um, That is the inner harmony. So this is what the analogy is. The inner harmony which exists among the truths of the faith themselves. Truths of the faith themselves. So, for example, Pope Benedict, Pope Meredith Benedict, when he was the Pope, said that we have a picture of Francis we have a picture of Francis we love right. we love the Holy Father um, pray for him. the Holy Father before Francis was Pope Benedict who was still alive while we're recording um, and he would say that it was like a symphony of truth right like the, 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 yeah. the faith is like a symphony of truth right there are all these different notes there are all these different things playing um, so it's like okay if I'm reading the Bible um, like as we were talking about before there are other things outside of the Bible that we say are authorities, tradition and yep. magisterium, right? So, there, so okay, we've already said tradition. And we're reading it with that, and that's with that, harmony. We have to bring our faith to our reading of it. So we can't sort of go, oh, actually, it seems like maybe there isn't a trinity when I'm reading this, this part of Christ's, yeah. you know, spe- speaking about the Father, right? Because he's saying, ah, oh, the Father is greater than I, right? Like at one point he does say this, the yes, Father's greater than I, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but one of the truths of faith is the is our belief in the Trinity, which is the three and one, one and three. Yes, when he says the Father and I... Are one. Are one. Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, one of the truths of faith is this. So we can't like... It is true that the Father is higher than the Son. He proceeds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's also true that the Father and the Son are one. We will get to Trinitarian theology. Know, but this yeah. is what I, but you, you yeah. have to read one with the other. Yeah. While you're reading each of them. Right. So again, like we would have the dogma that that Mary is ever virgin, right? Yes. That she remained a virgin after the birth of Christ. And she was a virgin when she gave birth. Yeah. So when we're reading these things about Christ's brothers and sisters, yeah. um, it's like, well, we have to keep this in mind, right? Then it's like, okay, this doesn't, this doesn't apparently seem like it should, 
So we're going to apply our, basically our preconceived notions to the text. Mo- people who are modern think, Ugh, you can't do that. Divorce yourself of your, of your preconceived yeah. notions and yeah. take the text down. And read the text, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're saying, no, you have to do that. And the other thing is like, and obviously, like, Christ did not have brothers and sisters. This is just a way of, like, referring to cousins, right? And it's like, well, if that's not an immediate apparent because you can't read Hebrew or Greek yeah. and you're not familiar with the context in which these things are being said, like, you have to be able to trust that, that the church has it right. And the church is actually, like, you don't have to get a degree in Koine Greek to be able to understand the context of this passage in yeah. order to know that Mary is ever virgin, right? Like, the church is telling you Mary is ever virgin, it seems like you're reading this wrong. Well, like, because the English, I mean, on this point, I think it's that the English translation is, like, up until which point she was a virgin. I could be getting this wrong, but I think it's, like, something like that, who had been a virgin up to that point, is how it reads in Greek. Mm. But it's a formulation, like, that there are lines in Greek that have a different... Uh, yeah, but, like... That so have a different emphasis or implication. Can I, example... And which is about language and the way that emphasis is placed. So when Christ, when Pilate comes to Christ mm. and says something to him like, you know, are you the son of God? Mm. And Christ says, that's what you say. King of the Jews. Yeah, yeah, are yeah. you king of the Jews? Yeah. That's what you say. Yeah. You read that in English without mm. all the nuance and understanding of what's being said. Mm. And it's just, it really looks like, pardon me, that um, some smart assery is going on. Yeah, like, sure. No, 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 that's what yeah, you yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. But that's what you say is a formula mm. to say the highest level of agreement yeah, yeah, sure. with what the other person yeah, yeah. said. Like, you are saying it. Yeah, you yeah. are saying that. Yeah. I, I am being respectful to you. Yeah, yeah, saying, yeah. Well, because you're saying it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that is the case. Yeah, yeah. Which is the opposite of how reading. it feels. Yeah. When you, yeah, yeah. But that, that sort of level of activity is happening not just in the ones that leap out to us obviously mm. make it about yohari window again mm. there are things that seem apparent to us like that's the obvious reading of that yeah that have other yeah you know yeah yeah that unless you're going to spend your entire life not only your entire life doing it reading it and researching it understanding all the nuance yeah but living in community with people yeah who are spending their whole lives doing it yeah you're never going to have that full read on all the individual yeah. parts of it as they see it in symphony yeah and if only there was like some institution whose job it was to, to do this do that yeah whoop de we've got it it's the church yeah and yeah. so so when the church says mary's their version or something like that yeah it's it's giving you guides by which to read scripture yes right like so it's like okay you have to read it with a view to the whole bible you have to read it with a view to the last thousand years and you have to read it with a view towards like what you already know the church has told you right yes. and that's not like because you're surrendering your reason you're just putting your trust in something. Yes. You're saying, oh, okay, there is a way to read this. This is otherwise a very difficult experience. Which to is like- why it's so especially scandalous yeah. when the church fails. And yeah. Something like the raping of children, whereas raping of children goes on all the time in schools, but it's like, I don't actually have that higher standard for public schools. I bet they do do that there. That doesn't question my what I believe that a public school would be. Someone can get into a public school and do this. I bet they bloody can. doesn't seem that hard. I... I We'll obviously, I don't want to derail. We'll obviously deal with the clerical sexual abuse crisis at, at some point. Yeah, um, but I'm saying the the role of the church is so high. Yeah, yeah. And the standard is so high as the interpreter of the faith. Yeah. That for it to be called to disrepute in that way. And then I know people go like, don't harp on about the sexual abuse yeah. crisis because that perpetuates it and that continues to scandalize the church. And there is a way in which people use it yeah. to bring the church low that it might be attacked and the truth of the church can be degraded. Yeah. Which is not what I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to go. Though I am a deeply prudent person and I accept that and I apologise for that. My point merely being that it's it's such a... What you're saying there about the, the, the role of the church is to mediate yeah. and to give us context and understanding for how to understand the word of God. Yeah. I mean, you want those people, you want to really trust in those people. You do, yeah. It's, Terribly when they don't live up to it. No, that's true. Yes, that's the clergy. When the clergy don't live when the, up to it, yes, the clergy separate. When, when the bishops and the pope do not live up to, yeah, what appears to be their calling. Well, yes. and what we know from the catechism is their calling, which is like to authoritatively hand these things on. Um, and even if like, and that's why like, it's scandalous in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance period where the pope is sort of like having a boy jump out of a cake. You know, drinking booze and all this yeah. sort of stuff, and it's like, uh, like he might be teaching the truth, but like, yeah. man, I don't want to listen to it. Doing that. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it, it makes it seem like you're not living up to the code of conduct, right? Like, 
Um, values? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where well, yeah, inclusivity, you know. Um, so yeah, but like that that is obviously important, which is why it's very important the church has integrity, but yes. it but it often doesn't. And we're gonna get to like the fact that like and St. Paul talks about this, that like it's actually not about the worthiness of the minister, right? Like like the because yeah. it's not about us, right? Like it's about God who gives himself to us. Yeah. Right. And he gives himself to us in like, you know, earthen vessels, like with, with people. And yes. people suck, yes, man. Like do. even the best people suck. Um, but we believe that God has handed to some of these people some ability yeah. to discern right from wrong in these specific areas. Um, even if they don't live it, right, that, that, yes. th- that they can say, oh, actually, this is the right way to interpret Scripture. Which is why it's so important for us to have them wear exciting hats and big clothes and wonderful gloves. Very exciting hats. You know, because yeah. it helps us to believe that they are telling us the right thing. <laughs> All right. So... To recap, must be read with attention to the content and unity of the whole scripture. Yes. Must be read within the living tradition of the church. And it must be read with attention to the analogy of faith. That is the inner harmony which exists among the truth of the faith themselves. Truths of the faith themselves. It is a grammatically correct line, but gee, it's German. Let us continue. Yes. What is the canon? Thank you for spending so long on that one. That's fine. What is the canon of Scripture? So the canon of Scripture is the complete list of sacred writings which the church has come to recognize through apostolic tradition. That it, canon consists of 46 books of the Old Testament and 27 of the New. As a Catholic, I have nothing further to ask about that particular point. Yeah. 21. What is the importance of the Old Testament for Christians? So Christians venerate the Old Testament as the true word of God. All of the books of the Old Testament are divinely inspired and retain a permanent value. They bear witness to the divine pedagogy of God's saving love. They're written above all to prepare for the coming of Christ, the Savior of the universe. They bear witness to the divine pedagogy. pedagogy. So, pedagogy. Like, like, God is teaching. teaching us something in the Old Testament. Yeah. Right? Like, this is a preparatory What are we theme. to learn from this about God's saving love? How do we read, with what we know about God, how do we read the Old Testament? Well, so, we have to read it in the context of the new. We have to read it in the context of the tradition yes. and with the b- truth all, of the faith. Right. Prepare for the coming of Christ. So the then, the when universe. we're reading things about like the prophets who are coming to Israel who have fallen, right? Yes. They've fallen away from the worship of the true God, and the prophets are coming back saying, "You guys suck! Like, why don't you worship the true God instead of Baal or something?" You know, it's like, oh, okay, like we're learning something about ourselves. Dudes, the Syrians are coming. <laughs> it's going to be grim. Right, but like, okay, well, there are priests, there are prophets, there are kings. Christ yeah. is all three of these things. Like, he's the priest, the high priest. Yeah. The high king. That's definitely later on. It's definitely later on. Yeah, yeah. 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 But like you know, the, we're supposed to read the Old Testament through the New and the New through the Old, right? Yes. Like, so it's it still has a valid meaning, right? Yeah. Like we don't just ditch the Old Testament because it's like, oh, we got a new one now. We got a new covenant. We yes. just throw that in the bin. It's like no, actually, God was saying like because Christ says, "I come to fulfill the law, not to like turn it away." Can I just say this is this is what I love so much about this particular catechism and why I'm glad we're doing this one, which mm. we referenced before, that other catechisms do not give you this weird tension and, see, you know, see things in a multiplicity. Like, these are, this is hard, man. <laughs> this is like, it's calling on you. Like what we were saying before about, um, you know, God, what you are mm. and what God wants you to be mm. and what God wants for you and how that's like difficult and there's a, a real tension and two things to be kept in the mind at yeah. the same time like yeah you are being asked to have a sophisticated understanding of yes reason and whatever yeah but this is also then true of how you understand like when you break that down into mm. its components you know, yeah. what is yeah. faith yeah all right here are the two things here that we want you to keep in mind for faith yeah while you're keeping faith in mind with reason yeah and reason we're breaking that down into yeah, smaller yeah. parts yeah. it's yeah i think it is uh you know like it's not people might say it's dumb like they don't have to like it. Well, but there are definitely people who are like, why are you making this harder than it has to be? Yeah, but it's it is like I mean I don't know like that's again one of the reasons why we want to do this is because it is it is demanding. Yeah, yeah, and it's like well, and if like you can have a simple faith, right? Like you can you know if you want to use the multiple categories, that's fine. Maybe that's better. <laughs> yeah, and maybe for some it is people, better. for some people, that's better. You know, being like a you know, the faith of a little child, which yeah. we should all aspire to. Yeah, but if you're struggling and you have you know, yeah. like it's it's good to be resilient and to be nuanced. Yeah, and to get into the gritty. Yeah, you know, like get into the good stuff. 
So let's keep going. That said, let's get to the good stuff because there's a lot to plow yeah, into yeah. here about sacred, sacred scripture. Okay. Next question. So we've done Old Testament traditions. Yep. What importance the, does the New Testament have for Christians? Right. So the New Testament, whose central object is Jesus Christ, conveys to us the ultimate truth of divine revelation. Within the New Testament, the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the heart of all scriptures because they are the principal witness to the life and teaching of Jesus. As such, they hold a unique place in the church. Don't think that's controversial. Nope. Let's keep going. Okay. What is the unity that exists between the Old and the New Testament? Right. So I think we've covered all this ground. So scripture is one insofar as the word of God is one. God's plan of salvation is one. And the divine inspiration of both testaments is one. The Old Testament prepares for the new and the New Testament fulfills the old. The two shed light on each other. Man, isn't it nice having had that big long discussion earlier on and you yep. managed to work in all of these things so we can rip through them? <laughs> and 24, what role does sacred scripture play in the life of the church? Sacred scripture gives support and vigor to the life of the church. For the children of the church, it is a confirmation of the faith, food for the soul. You just feel, you just feel Joel Austin going... <laughs> <laughs> and the fount of the spiritual life. Sacred scripture is the soul of theology and of pastoral preaching. The psalmist says that it is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The church therefore exhorts all to read scripture frequently because ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ, Lovely. says St. Jerome. So I think maybe we were going to try and get to the end, but I, I think that's probably a good end. All right. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. I'm exhausted. James is exhausted. We're going to go for a walk and I'd like to do at least one more. Yeah, we'll do another one. Well, Can we do another one? They won't know because it'll feel like another week. All yeah. right. All right. Ciao.